Welcome to Bakersfield First Assembly of God's podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon. I would invite you today to open your Bibles to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 14. As you're turning to that passage, we have been looking together these past few weeks at the importance of having God's perspective in everything that you and I face as human beings. And uh, those things that, especially those things that become obstacles and problems in our lives and challenges that are overwhelming. And again, I take you back to something that I shared with you uh, my very first week that I was here and started serving as your pastor, and that's this. I believe, I believe that there are things that God needs to do in you and in me to get us ready for the pastor that God wants to send to us. I believe that with all my heart. I believe that he's wanting us to grow. I believe he's wanting us to become a church of people full of faith, ready to take on whatever the enemy brings our way. He wants us to become a soul-saving station. He wants us to become an outreach center where we are reaching people in the highways and the byways and they're coming in and they're finding Jesus, and they're becoming fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ, and they're going out again to see Christ do something powerful, not only in them, but through them. Why is he wanting to do that in us? Well, first of all, we haven't reached our full potential. When you reach your full potential, God will take you home, okay? That's the way it works. So we have not reached that yet, so he's still working on us. How many can say amen to that? Man, I know he's working on me. And I, the reason he's doing that is because the best days for First Assembly are not, are not behind us. They're still before us. Amen? Are you still with me on that? Some of you aren't convinced of that. And it's going to take the Holy Spirit getting into your spirit and revitalizing you to really believe that he's got something special for you and for this church. We heard Pastor Nathan say it today. He said, when you come today to the altar, come with a spirit of expectation. If you are not desperate, if you're not expecting God to do things for you, he's not going to do it. God is looking for people who want to have his heart, who are searching after him and want him more than anything else. In fact, that's what we're going to talk a little bit about today. We're going to talk about a scene that takes place on the Sea of Galilee. The disciples have just come from being a part of a miracle. It's really fascinating, a fascinating story. They they were with Jesus when he was teaching and they they, they needed to feed the people. They didn't have any food. Well, they found a little boy, a little lad that had a lunch that his mom had packed him. It was probably a, a couple of sardines and some crackers with some fish and chips. It was some fish and bread, and they gave that to Jesus. He prayed over it. He blessed it. He broke it, and he used these disciples. Now, catch this. He uses these disciples to be a part of the miracle. They are distributing the food that Jesus is blessing and breaking to 5,000 people, just a few loaves and a few fish, and he multiplies it, and they, they are firsthand witnesses. Not only that, but they had 12 basketfuls left, left over. We come to verse 22 of Matthew chapter 14 and following. And Jesus made his 
disciples, he, they're all they're high-fiving one another, just talking about what they saw. Wow, did you see that one guy? He ate a, he ate a whole basket full by himself. You know, they're just kind of shooting the breeze. And they're talking and they're sharing. They're excited. And Jesus says, okay, I want you guys to get on the boat. You go to the other side. And I'm going to go up. And I'm going to go on the side of the mountain. And I'm going to pray. And I'll meet you on the other side. They say, okay, gee, we, we got this. We got this. They get in the boat. And they begin to sail. And uh, little did they know what was about to happen next. What they were about to discover for themselves is something that I believe that every true follower of Jesus discovers sooner than later. And that is that following Jesus is the adventure of a lifetime. It's the adventure of a lifetime. No one knew better about that than Peter did. Because in their attempt to obey Jesus and just get in the boat and go, all of a sudden a horrific storm comes up. How many have ever been to the Sea of Galilee? Ever been out on the Sea of Galilee? Several of us have in this room. Let me tell you, when a storm comes up out there, there's a, it's a storm. And they were in the, these little wooden boats that they had. They're not very big. They're not very safe. But that's what they were in. And this storm, they were scared that they were going to die. And they were, the Bible says they thought that they were all alone in that storm. But if we read Mark's rendition of this in Mark 6:48, it tells us that Jesus saw them straining at the oars. And just a word here that I believe the Lord would have me say to you this morning. We heard from Morgan her testimony. God did not deliver her out of the storm, but he was with her through the storm. And that's what I want you to hear. You may be in the middle of something right now, but God, he's watching over you. And he's not, uh, he's not on some mountainside. He's right there with you, walking every step of the way. The text says in verse 26 that in the middle of their storm, here comes Jesus walking on the water. He comes walking on their crisis. They are in crisis. And yet in the middle of their crisis, hear this. We heard it from Morgan today. In the middle of their crisis, they saw the power and the sovereignty of Almighty God in action. At first, they thought they were seeing a ghost. Well, it's a ghost, and they were very terrified. They had a group panic attack right there. But verse 27, Jesus said these words that I believe he speaks to every follower. I believe he speaks to every person. He said this. He said, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. You've heard this before. You do a study on your own, but uh, the Bible has 365 do not fret, do not be afraid, fear nots in the Bible. 365, one for each and every day of the week, all year long. Peter says this. Peter sa he sees this, rather. He sees the crisis, and he sees it as an opportunity to exercise some faith. He wanted to do some water walking. I mean, of all things to do, he wanted to walk on water. He was the kind of guy, if you study his life, Peter lived on the edge for Jesus. And he wanted to experience the power of Christ in his life. And that leads me to the second fact of Scripture that I want to share with you this morning, and that is this, that the Christian life, Christian living, is extraordinary living. 
You say, what do you, what do you, what do you mean by that? Jesus Christ came, listen to me, stay with me. In two, he came 2000, over 2,000 years ago, and he said this, I have come to give you life. He didn't stop there. He told us what kind of life, and to give it more abundantly, more abundantly. I believe with all of my heart that God doesn't want you just to live an average life. I believe he wants your life to be a life of faith, a life of adventure, an extraordinary life, an extraordinary uh, career, an extraordinary job, an extraordinary family, an extraordinary ministry and, and marriage. You say, why? Because all things are possible with him. You look at the disciples. You look at all the people that walked in, 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 in tandem and stepped with God through the Bible. And there was one thing that they all had in common. No matter what their role was, they had adventures in Jesus in the New Testament and looking forward to Jesus in the Old Testament. Phenomenal study. I heard the story of two Irishmen. We're talking about the Sea of Galilee. Two Irishmen who were traveling in the Holy Land and they came to the Sea of Galilee and they wanted to take a boat and go to the other side. And they found out it was going to cost them $100 a piece. And they said, what, $100 a piece? Well, the lakes of Killarney, well, they're, they're some of the most beautiful in the world, and it only costs a few shillings to cross. And the guide said, well, you don't understand. This is the lake that Jesus walked on. And the other Irishman quickly said, no wonder. Look at the prices you charge for taking a boat. <laughs> it seems to me that in this story there are some faith lessons that we can glean that will help us be people of faith and to take on the challenges that come our way and to live like God wants us to live and to have that vibrant life in Jesus to where the joy of the Lord is our strength. Let me give those to you very quickly. There are five specifically. I'm going to give them to you quickly and then we're going to, we're going to pray. The first thing that I noted here in this text was that we need to learn to listen to God. We need to learn to listen to God. In verse 28, Peter said, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you. He wanted to hear God's voice. How many of you know that many times we pray about things that we don't ask God if it's his will for us to pray about? We make decisions that we don't consult with God about. And I want to suggest to you that we need to pray about the decisions that we make. Now, I'm not suggesting that you have to go in when you're getting up in the morning and you're getting ready to get dressed. Oh, Lord, which guide me to the shirt that you want me to wear today. <laughs> I'm not saying that. But I am saying when your feet hit the floor in the morning, a great way to start is, Lord, this is the day the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. Wherever you want me to go today, whatever you want me to do, let it happen. Not my will, but thine be done. And, Lord, the decisions that I make, I ask for wisdom. I ask for discernment. I ask for understanding. And if I'm about to make a decision that's not in your will, nudge me with your precious Holy Spirit, and I won't make it. I want to hear from you today. That is a posture that I believe the Holy Spirit would have us pursue. A lot of people, a lot of people today get themselves in, in trouble because they're trying to accomplish things for God without consulting with God first. In verse 29, Jesus says to Peter, come, 
He says, come. You see, you have to listen to God so you can respond to his invitation and what it is that he's wanting you to do. Romans 10, 17 says that faith begins by hearing the word. Did you notice in Morgan's testimonial that she said, I, it was in the middle of this crisis that I really started getting into the word. And as you get into the word, the word gets into you. And the point that I want you to hear today is that Peter walked on water in response to the invitation of Jesus. You know, church, there is a difference between exercising faith and exercising presumption, right? How many know the difference? Let me give you faith. Faith is very simple. Faith is a response to the invitation of Jesus. It's, Lord, you know, this is what I want. I believe God wants us to express that. This is what I want. But what do you want? What is it that you want? Say that with me. Lord, what is it that you want? That's what God is wanting us to ask. Not my will, but thine be done. The first thing that I want you to hear be reminded of this morning is that we must respond to the invitation of Jesus. And that's why you have to learn to listen to him by daily getting into his word, by seeking his face regularly so that you hear and you are attentive to his voice. And I want to say this to you. I've had a lot of people come up to me and tell me what they want in their next pastor. It's been, it's been fun. <laughs> and this side doesn't know what this side says. And vice versa. But here's what I want to say to First Assembly. It's okay to have wants. But I think we need to start coming together as the body of Christ and say, God, what do you want? What do you want in our next pastor? You know the future. You know what we need more than we know what we need. So God, give us understanding. Give us wisdom. Speak it to our hearts so that we align. We align and come together under your vision and not our own. Can you say amen to that? So we need to listen to him. Secondly, we need to seek a closer relationship with Christ. A closer relationship with Christ. In fact, I think seeking a closer relationship with Christ should be the goal of every person following Jesus. But you would be amazed at how many people stop once they get saved. They think, well, that's it. I got, I, I got my fire insurance. I'm going to heaven. So I don't need, you know, I'm not going to hell. So I can, I can just do what I want to do. But it's imperative that we seek a closer relationship. That's what Peter was doing here. He said, Lord, if that's you, tell me to come. I believe that Peter wanted more than just the thrill of walking on water. I believe he wanted more than just being able to say, yeah, all that water walking stuff. You know, it's not all it's cracked up to be. Well, have you ever done it? Yeah, I've done it. I've done it. There's a difference between thrill-seeking and God-seeking. A lot of people seek after so many things. They seek after wealth and fame and power and position. And none of those things are, are bad, but they don't in themselves satisfy your soul. I know people who drive from revival to revival to revival seeking revival. 
And it's right in their midst and they don't even know what to do with it because they're not seeking relationship. There is a difference. Nothing. We want revival, but revival comes by the power of the Holy Spirit working in you and through you. The only thing that will genuinely satisfy a person's life, his inner desire, is a closer relationship with the living God. And how do I determine that? What do I, how do I determine that? Well, it's determined this way. If your goals and your dreams are taking you further away from Christ and his will for your life, then you're following the wrong course, the wrong path. I mean, what good is a relationship or a job promotion or financial wealth if all it does, in the end, you're not closer to Jesus? Or worse, if you're further away from him as a result of those blessings? What you've allowed to happen is those blessings have become curses in your life. If we are going to be people that accomplish extraordinary things in faith for the kingdom of God, then we need to listen to God's voice. We need to seek a closer relationship with him. And then thirdly, here we go, you got to watch out for the boat people. I I don't think they heard it over here. Let me come over here. You got to watch out for the boat people. Well, who are the boat people? The rest of the disciples. They're in the boat. They just kind of watch this whole thing unravel as Peter gets out there to follow Jesus. There's an old saying. There's, you may have heard this old saying. It's, it's, it goes like this. Some people like to watch things happen. Some people like to make things happen. And then some people just look at life and say, what happened? <laughs> Notice in verse 28. Peter said, Jesus, if that's you, tell me to come. He didn't say, oh, Lord, if this is really you, have, uh, have Pastor James get out of the boat and walk. Or have Pastor John make him do this, Lord, if this is really you. No. He said, me, Lord, I'm the one that wants to do this. Walking on water, living that, extra, that extraordinary life, living a life of faith, it takes you taking the step. Nobody can do this for you. No matter how long you've been a Christian, whether you've been a Christian, I'm 70 years old. I've been a Christian a long, long time, but but that has nothing to do with it. What everything to do with, how is my relationship with him today? Am I walking in faith today? Am I walking in relationship today? That's what the Lord wants to know. Have you ever stopped to wonder what was the difference between Peter and all these other guys that were still in the boat? And why are we sometimes like them, content to stay in the boat? There's so many people in life who just, they just are spectators and they never decide to become a participator. And I've always asked myself, why is that? And as I was studying this passage, it was like the Lord just just open my eyes to something that the problem is, is we all have a different tolerance to risk-taking. We do. For some, to take a risk, it's a, they're, they're fearful. It's fear of failure. What if I drown? Or what if I face risk or danger? Or what if I make a fool of myself and am embarrassed? And a lack of confidence keeps people 
staying in the boat and never walking on the water. A lack of confidence, not self-confidence, a lack of God confidence. It reveals how we look at God and how we think of God. And then another reason we stay in the boat is because of our our hurts from the past. Past hurts from relationships, man, they can keep us in the boat. How many, of you, how many of you know falling in love is a risk? You know, how many of you can remember back when you fell in love? Two hands are in this place. <laughs> I'm, I am very, very concerned about that. <laughs> I, uh, when I first came to Christ, and I say this to my shame, but I had walked away from the Lord my senior year in high school. I had received a call from, to full-time ministry. My call was a missionary call, and I remember it as distinctly today as, I, as, it, as it happened when I was 13. And uh, it was a call to be a missionary. But I didn't want to be a missionary. Missionaries don't make any money. <laughs> I wanted to play professional football, and I did pretty well. In, in high school, junior college, I went on to the University of New Mexico in Albuquerque and ended up with four knee operations in two years. That kind of killed my, pro, my desire to be a pro. But I walked away. And I just want to say this. I want to stop here. Feel the Lord. The Lord wants me to say this to you who have prodigal sons, prodigal daughters, prodigal children. Just because they choose... To walk away from God doesn't mean by any means that he's walked away from them. You can take that to the bank. If you have established the right foundation, they cannot get away as long as they, there is breath in their lungs. We serve a pursuing God who is going after them because he loves them more than you do. And you love them with all your life. He is a God that restores Maybe the Lord will let us talk about that sometime. But I had been so lost that when I did come back to Christ after a college, uh, I had such a relationship with him. God changed me from the inside out, and I didn't want to mess it up. I was, I was afraid. I, I, I used to you know, date everybody. I used to do this. I used to do that. I didn't want to do any of that because if I start doing any of that, even if God sanctified it, I'm afraid what it might do to me. And God began to speak to me. I was learning his voice. And uh, the Lord began to speak to me. And this voice said, I want you to take Leanne Jenkins out on a date. And I thought, that ain't God. I mean, I'd love to do that, but that's, not, that's my flesh side. God wouldn't say that. So I dismissed it, but God kept speaking that to me. I want you to take Leanne out for a cup of coffee, but I refused. And then one time I was praying about the, okay, God, what what school do I go to? Where do I go to next? And the Holy Spirit took me to task. He said, why are you refusing to trust me and obey me when I'm asking you to do something? And then he went on and he said this in my heart, I have called you to full-time ministry, and the plan that I have includes Leanne. And even as I am speaking to you right now, I am confirming this in her heart as well. And uh, man, here I am struggling, trusting. I'm, 
I'm thinking I'm schizophrenic, you know. I'm hearing these voices. I'm hearing this voice that's telling me, you know, this gal's going to be my wife, and I've never even dated her. So I said, okay, Lord, I'll get, give me the courage, I'll do it. <laughs> never, had, never had a problem with that before, never. And so we were in a coffee house ministry in our local community. She, she uh, sang, I played the saxophone, and uh, we were cool. <laughs> so I said, okay, Lord, at least I'm going to, ch- I'm trying to learn your voice. At least I'm going to, if I make a fool of myself, I'm going to step out and I'll ask her. I may be the biggest fool in town, and I don't want to embarrass her, but I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to, I'm going to ask her out. So we got to, we got to the, the coffee house, and I was looking at her, and I was making my way over, and she comes right over, and she says, hey, how'd you like to, after church, how'd you like to go out for a Coke? <laughs> Woman of God. That was November. In April, we were married. 47 years we have been lifting up Jesus together. I don't recommend that you do that. If you're not married, I don't recommend that you do that. But all I'm saying is you have to be willing to risk if you're going to walk on water. If you're going to be a water walker, you have to take a step of faith. What's God asking you to do today? What step is he asking you to do? I got to tell you. I warned you about them the last two Sundays, but I'm going to warn you about the boat people. Because there are some people that thrive on giving us bad news. And they'll say things like, well, we don't do that that way. I tried that when I was younger, and it just didn't work. And they're bitter. They become, they're great people, but they become embittered and angry and discouraged, and they tell their stories of woe. And if you're going to be a faith walker, you got to be careful that you don't slide into that bad news because you can become paranoid and you can become that, to that place that you think those bad things are going to happen to you. I came across a diagram that I think does a great job of spelling out the difference between the boat people and what they say and what Jesus, who's standing outside the boat on the water, says. The boat people say, stay where you are. Don't go anywhere. Jesus says, come on out. Come to me. The boat people say, you're never going to make it. Jesus says, come to me. The boat people said, say, your dreams are too big. They'll say, if you try, you might fail. You can't trust people. You can't do that. Jesus is over here saying, come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. You see, boat people, those around you can keep you from living that extraordinary life of faith that Jesus meant for you to live. And those people can be some of the closest people to you. They can be a spouse. They can be your sibling. They can be your co-worker. They can be a parent or even a relative. And I just want to say something to you, First first Assembly. Those of you that want to walk by faith, don't get sucked into listening to boat people. And if you're here today and you're a boat person, we can help you get out of the boat. And I would say to you, if you don't have anything good to say in Jesus' name, don't say anything. Instead, come on over, and we'll show you how to walk on water. 
will point you to Jesus who will show you the thing that you need to do, that one step that you need to take. Ooh, I'm almost Pentecostal this morning. I got, I got to back off of that. Ooh. I got to move. I got to move on. Let me move on because my time's getting away. There's so much I want to say to you. Let me give you the fourth lesson that we learned from Peter. If I'm in the boat and I want to get out, how do I do it? What do I do? Peter took a risk and he started using the faith that he already had. That's the fourth thing. You're in the boat and you say, I'm stuck. All I see is the negative. All I, all I see, I can't seem to, I can't speak positive things anymore. What do I do? Take a risk. Use the faith that you already have. In verse 29, it says, Peter got down out of the boat. You know, God looks for human initiative, doesn't he? He's looking for somebody who will dare respond to his word. It's called obedience. Notice that Jesus didn't carry him out of the boat. He got out on his own. How come sometimes when we pray, have you ever noticed we ask God to do something that we already have the power to do ourselves? We're asking God, Lord, give me more faith. And God's saying to us, I'm looking for you to use the faith that you already have. Get out of the boat. Take the step of faith. And I suspect that that's what's happening in many of our lives. One of my favorite verses in the, in the Bible comes from Ephesians Chapter 3, verse 20, it says, Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Sometimes the things that God asks us to do just don't make sense. And he's going to do that in your life. He's going to do it in your life. But he knows what he's up to. And he asks us to use the faith that we have to trust him. I told you that my missionary, that my call to ministry was to be a missionary. Leanne and I went to Bible college to prepare both spiritually and academically. And back then, you, if you were going to be a missionary, you had to pastor a minimum of two years as a qualification to be a foreign missionary. My wife and I pastored five years. We applied to the Assemblies of God World Missions Department. We were approved. We traveled around the district for a year and a half to raise our budget. That is so hard on families. But we did it. God helped us. Churches partnered with us. Then we went, took our little family. We went to San Jose, Costa Rica to learn la lingua del cielo. We learned Spanish, which is the language of heaven. It's what they, t they taught us down there. And then that we were there a year. Then we went to Uruguay, South America where you don't go through that grueling cycle to quit being a missionary. You just don't do it. It doesn't make sense. Why would you put your family through that kind of stuff? Well, while we were there, our middle son, who he was born in the state of Washington, he was born with a mild case of cerebral palsy. It didn't affect his speech. He didn't have to be in a wheelchair, but it did affect his entire left side. And while we were there, he had some complications on the field. What had happened was he, would, he was developing a gait. He was walking more and more on his toe like this, and he started to posture. And this is how he'd run, 
And this is how he'd walk, and he was bending over more and more. And we had been told that they had, they had personnel and, and, and hospitals there in Uruguay that could take care of him. But it wasn't true. It wasn't the case. So they sent us to Shriners Hospital in Portland, Oregon, Children's Hospital, where they diagnosed my son. They, they, they gave him all the tests, all the things they needed to do. And they performed a, an operation on his, to lengthen his heel cord so he wouldn't walk on the ball of his foot. And then they told us this. Your son is going to need therapy. He's going to need special care. And he'll need to come see us every three months for the next, until he's 18. Well, he was just a little shaver. We told our missions agency and they said, well, sorry, we just can't accommodate that. You're going to have to go off the field. I, and I can tell you, he's grown today. You, because I've told you that he has a mild case of cerebral palsy, you might notice something. Most people don't. He has a beautiful wife. He's a financial advisor. His wife's an executive pastor and have two handsome sons that I'm proud to call my grandsons. But I can't tell you. Thank you. I can't tell you how many times the devil perched on the shoulder and said this. You know what? You, God called you to be a missionary and look at you. God can't even take care of your own son. I was in a boat. I was in a storm. And I had to make a decision. And the decision I made was this. Lord, I don't understand this, but I'm going to trust you. And if I can't be a missionary, then I'll be the best missionary sending pastor that I can possibly be. Best supporter of missions that we can possibly be. And I can brag on Jesus and say this, that every church we pastored would lead our districts in the, the top giving church to missions in the district. And I give God praise for that. We have missionaries that have been raised up from our churches, sent all over the world, and are serving in different parts of the world. Fast forward. In 2014, I was invited to come and serve as the assistant superintendent of the SoCal Network, where my primary role would be the director of U.S. and world missions, overseeing 165 missionaries that are serving in the, from the neighborhoods of Southern California to the nations of the world. That was not my plan, but that was God's plan. And God was asking Leanne and I, will you trust me? And I believe I hear God saying that to people in this audience. There are those of you that are watching online, God's saying, will you trust me? Will you get out of the boat? You say, well, what do I do? I'm, I'm, I'm trying, John, I'm, and I want Nathan come, come, if you would, to the platform. I'm trying with everything I can. I mean, I, I'm listening for God to speak. I'm seeking a closer relationship with him. I'm watching out for those boat people. And I'm, I'm trying to use the faith that I already have, but like Morgan, I'm still sinking. So what do I do? We do the same thing Peter did. We take a risk. We take a risk and refocus our faith. I told you about my eye, how God healed my eye. Since I told you that story, I went in to my 
neuro-ophthalmologist. He was just blown away by how God has touched me. I told him, I said, the only problem that I have is this. I said, sometimes when I get tired, I notice my eyes want to, they just want to drift and I don't have the focus that I did before. And he said, well, let me show you a little trick. And he said, did you ever, when you were a kid, did you ever try to cross your eyes when you, you know, like, did anybody here? Don't try it because I don't want them to lock on you. But he said this, he said, take your finger and just look at the end tip of that finger and just come about six inches away from your, your nose. He says, what that does is it recalibrates your focus. It recalibrates your focus. I hear the Holy Spirit saying today, I want to recalibrate your focus. I want you to see your situations like I see them. I want you to see what's going to happen in the future like I see it. I want you to begin to have my joy because it's my joy that's your strength. It's not your strength that I'm looking for. It's not your ability, God says, that I'm looking for. I'm looking for you to be a vessel by which I can fill you up and I can work in you for the blessing to be on others as well. How many would, would say, oh, I'm going to receive that message today? Would you stand to your feet today all over this place? I want you to bow your heads with me for just a moment. Heavenly Father, in these next three minutes, we're going to, maybe four, we'll dismiss. But God, we're, we're going to go out of here rejoicing today because you are still on the throne. We heard a marvelous testimony We've received these five lessons that we're going to go. We're going to look them up in Scripture. We're not just going to take Pastor John's word for it. We're going to go home and study it ourselves. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you will speak clarity to the hearts of those who are seeking your will. And I pray today that in these next few moments that you will speak to us. I ask that, Lord. As our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, my concluding prayer, I want to include you. And you're here today and you'd say, you know what? I'd like to live. I want that kind of life. I'd like to live that extraordinary, that life of faith. But if you don't know Jesus, that's the first thing he wants to start with. You'd say, you know, John, one of two things you're going through. One, you have, you've not received Christ as your Savior. Or two, your relationship has drifted. You're not as close to Christ as you, you've been before. And you'd say, pray for me, John. I want a close relationship with a living God. Would you lift your hand, and I'm going to acknowledge you and pray for you. Yes, just leave it up for a minute. In the balcony, yes. Here on the main floor, yes. Yes, there are many hands. You can put those down. How many of you are here would say, you know what? I'm in the boat, and I need God to give me courage to take that step. For whatever reason, you've not taken it. But God's speaking to you today. You know what it is. I don't. I don't know what it is. But you do because God's been telling you. He's been speaking to you. And you'd say, pray that I'll have the courage to take that, strength, that, that next step of faith. You just lift your hand up, and I'm going to include you in this prayer too. Come on. That's you. Yes. Many, many hands. Yes. Yes. You can put your hand down. Lastly, I want to say this before I pray. There were three words when Peter began to sink that he cried out. He said, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. And Jesus reached down his hand and he picked, he grasped the hold of Peter and he pulled him to safety. I want you to know, 
He's reaching his hand out to you today. But you have to reach back and you have to let him take your hand and he will pull you up and he will make something powerful out of your life. How many one last time? You haven't raised your hand already, but you're saying, I want to be included. I don't want to be missed today. God's speaking to you. Be obedient. This is your first step. God's saying, this is your first step. How many would raise their hand and say, that's me. I, I I don't want to be left out. Heavenly Father, you've seen our hands today. You've seen, more importantly, our hearts. You know where we are. And we need you desperately. We are desperate people. We're not here to play church. We're not here to go through the motions. We're here to connect with a living God. There are too many people dying and going to a devil's hell for us to just think about it. We have come. We're serious about it. Bakersfield First Assembly was established on the fact that Jesus is on the throne and he is your only hope. He's he's the way, the truth, and the life. And Lord, we continue to stand on that rock. And I pray for those who are receiving you into their life today. I pray, God, that they will open their heart and say, Jesus Christ, come into my life. Forgive me of all my sins. Help me from this day forward to serve you with everything that's within me. Help me to learn about you every day by getting into your word and getting into a good small group here in the church or and to celebrate recovery or in some ministry here where I can learn more about this Jesus that I'm receiving. And then I pray for those of us, Lord, who are still in the boat and we're needing to take that step. Help us, not only them, but those you're already speaking to. Help us to follow through with obedience. And we will find that you have already gone before us and set everything in motion to be accomplished just as you promised you would. Lord, be with us today. I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You've been listening to Bakersfield First Assembly's weekly broadcast. BFA is located on the corner of California and Marilla Way. We meet every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. in person and online on Facebook and YouTube. For more information, check out our website, bakersfieldfirst.com, or download our app from the App Store. 